Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from EverAg Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Phil Plord. If you've not heard this podcast before, well, join the club. It's new to the EverAg Insights lineup, and we're excited to have you along. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. Okay, first things first. Let's timestamp this episode. It's about 1 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, February 8th. And let me tell you, it's been quite a busy day in some of the markets we follow. Taking a look at CME Spot Block Cheddar Cheese, about $1.87 today. Down two cents from this time last week. Barrel cheddar, 157, down a penny from last week. Butter, kind of on the comeback trail still, $2.40 per pound, up six cents compared to last Wednesday. Spot non-fat dry milk, $1.24, up four cents. And then in the grain markets, corn, roughly $6.78 per bushel. That's down a fraction from a week ago while soybeans are at 15.18 per bushel, down three cents versus last week. That's the background. Now let's bring in our talented lineup of guest commentators. First today, we have Brian Fletcher from the Chicago office. He's our vice president of commercial services. Joining us from sunny California, Tiffany Lamondola, vice president of risk management, working with a lot of our dairy producers across these United States. Last but not least, given some important grain market news today, the host of The Grain Feed, Jim Matthews, our global grain and feed director. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do every week is we're going to talk about what's the buzz? What's top of mind for our panelists? So, Brian, if you want to go first, what, what's the buzz in your world? Well, the buzz in the commercial world, Phil, and it's been the buzz for a while, continues to be focused on Europe. Europe has reminded the U.S. market that they're about one and a half times the volume of the U.S. Um, they've done that on the way up and now on the way down. If we were to back up, say, six or eight weeks ago, right at the turn of the year, um, we saw European prices come crashing down to the point where say their powder prices as well as their cheese prices were trading a premium to the U.S. and then from trading a premium to a steep discount to the U.S. Now it seems like European prices have found some support although at lower prices in the U.S. and you know in terms of their prices coming up and U.S. prices still kind of stuck they made what was their problem our problem. Yeah, I mean, you just look at that uh, cheese and butter chart. I mean, they've lost more than a dollar twenty on butter over a pretty short period of time. So that you know, it's hard to hide from that, right? Absolutely. Uh, Tiffany from the West Coast, beautiful foothills of the Sierras. What's going on? What's the buzz in your world? Yeah, I guess I'm I'm watching conditions outside of the state right now. I'm I've been really interested in watching uh, milk availability in the Midwest. You know, USDA gives us a report each week on what spot milk is trading for. And ha- as been the case for several weeks now, we've been seeing milk trade at 6 to $10 under class. There seems to be plenty of milk out there. I think um, it's a number of, uh, of things. You know, we've seen a little bit of plant downtime in the mix, certainly. But overall, production just seems to be on really solid footing. We're coming off a pretty nice year in 2022, especially for folks who grew their own feed. 
And we've also seen a fairly mild winter um, across most of the Midwest. The recent milk production report, for instance, had areas like South Dakota up almost 9%, Iowa up about 6%. So the plants that want the milk in most of that area are, are surely able to get it. Jim, what's the buzz in your world? I'm guessing it has to do with USDA reports. Phil, that is exactly the buzz of my world today, other than water heater issues at home, is the USDA report. Today, we got the monthly supply and demand report, our WASD report, and we are just a few minutes heading into today's settlement at the board. And the screen is green, with the exception of soybean oil trading slightly lower. Corn has really managed to hang in there on today's supply and demand report. As Tiffany noted, uh, it's been an interesting year for folks, whether they're able to grow their own feed or procure it for those procuring it. Prices are remaining steady to elevated today. So that's been the buzz affecting the grain markets as of late. We're going to go a little deeper than the buzz around the WASDI report. And we're going to talk about the grain and feed and milk profitability situation as part of what we like to call the center of the plate segment. So, Jim, going back to the WASDI report, what were the major surprises and what do you think are the major market movements that come out of it? And then we're going to talk about the implications for the dairy markets potentially. Yeah, thanks, Phil. I think on, in terms of surprises, the market was heading into today's report focusing on uh, two items, the U.S. side and the global side. For the U.S. side, that was specifically watching the corn balance sheet closely, and the market was anticipating a reduction in U.S. corn exports. And that stems from the very slow pace we've seen from U.S. corn commitments and physical exports. The USDA today left that export number unchanged. And the surprise there was they also then reduced our ethanol demand figures. So the government did manage to loosen up our balance sheet slightly, but for reasons different than the market was anticipating. So the balance sheet's a little looser, but down the road here, we will most likely have to cut those U.S. export figures in the coming months. I think on the global side of things, it was that larger than expected cut from the Argentine corn production numbers. They cut Argentine corn projections by 5 million metric tons. That stems from the reduced acreage figures and reduced yields those initial yields coming out of the field have been poorer uh, than the Argentine farmer would hope for. And that's kind of been the surprise of the session and continuing to support the market heading into the close as we record is that those worse than anticipated Argentine numbers are so far outweighing the somewhat bearish numbers on the U.S. side of things. So from a dairy farmer perspective and a purchased feed perspective, you know, every month seems to go by, we get new numbers, we watch the weather here and there, we watch exports, we watch all these developments. But the bottom line is that we've not seen a major, major reduction in cost for either corn or soybean meal or other uh, feed goods for dairy producers. Tiffany, we deal with a lot of producers across the United States. We know that cost of production has been stubbornly high, shockingly high in some neighborhoods. 
What's your take on where we're at in the farm profitability journey and, and what's what do you see happening with our clients or, or people we talk to? Yeah, it's a great question and, and definitely top of mind, I think, for the whole industry right now. You know, no doubt margin outlook three to six months out is deteriorating pretty rapidly as we've seen milk prices come down off the highs of last year. And as Jim pointed out, green and forage prices are kind of holding up there, elevated. Um, you know, while the situation can vary dramatically across operation, $17, $18 milk is just not going to cut it as we look forward, especially when you think of costs still being in the $20 to $23 100-weight range here in California. Even in areas like Wisconsin, we estimate maybe $18.50 to $20, maybe a little lower for folks who grow their own feed. So anxiety is definitely brewing, I would say. But I guess on the other flip side, I always just try to remind ourselves that that contraction or response to squeezed margins just always takes a little bit longer than we think. And the reason I, I caution that is that, you know, obviously, again, we're coming off a pretty solid 2022 by most measures. It was a good year for dairy producers, especially those that had their own feed. We heard many accounts of, of folks even deferring some milk checks. And then think about the timing on the farm. They've really not yet received a, a terrible milk check. The one they have in hand was for December. That wasn't that bad. They'll be getting Januarys here pretty soon. They may have a glimmer of an advance payment not being as well. Uh, so that takes a little time to make its way through the system. Um, and sometimes, you know, dairy producers' initial reaction is to keep milk flow going to keep revenues up. So that can be an initial response as well. We have definitely seen some big sellouts um, on the books. I'm guessing maybe a few of those were forced, but I think that some of those have been strategic decisions. I know some folks I've talked to here just say, hey, I want to get out while I still have some equity. I don't have the next generation coming online. I'm just trying to make a smart decision. Given heifer numbers are pretty low, I'm guessing those cows are in high demand right now. But as three to six months out, I would say this the situation could start changing very dramatically as the reality of the situation starts taking hold and those financial buffers start wearing off. Yeah. And Brian, as you know, from a commercial perspective, I think that we're always talking to clients and, and they're looking forward and they're seeing these deteriorating margins. And there's certainly, you know, many are concerned about milk supply. I mean, that drives the bus, right? And, you know, they, they you know, if we know that milk supply is going to go dramatically lower in the next two months, I think the commercial folks, you know, End users are certainly interested in being informed. What's your conversation, you know, based on what Tiffany just said, you know, it takes longer than you think. You know, how do we have those conversations and, and what does it all mean in your world? Well, from that standpoint, there's kind of two different angles. There, there people are looking at implied margins today and moving forward and seeing much different numbers than how the market was operating last year. In addition to that, we have much lower prices on the dairy front than we did last year. So we've seen quite a bit of commercial activity taking advantage of lower prices in general. But it also feels like, you know, if, if we take a step back and look at prices outside of the U.S. and looking at lower prices out of competing regions, that's where, you know, we, we don't want to be too focused on U.S. markets, especially when that marginal export picture is so important for us. So, you know, in general, we're encouraging people to look at things um, from more of a 10,000 foot view to put things into perspective in terms of 
you know, we're, we're, we're already seeing lower prices uh, in, in larger volume regions around the world in general. Yeah, I mean, low prices are the cure for low prices. The, the million dollar question is, you know, how long does it take for the cure to take hold? Exactly. All right, guys, let's talk a little strategy. Jim, if you were a grain feeder, what would you be considering right now? If I were a grain feeder at the moment, if I'm purchasing uh, corn and meal still open on this current crop year, old crop, I'm probably sitting tight in terms of any forward purchases. I'm currently pricing everything spot as it comes in, if I am open on that side. And I'm also looking forward to potential new crop opportunities. You know, we spend most of the WASDI report today looking at the existing balance sheet, which is an old crop focused balance sheet. But as we keep December corn futures kind of wedged under, you know, $6 a bushel, there might be some opportunities to lock in either some hedges or forward purchases and start to layer in on those numbers. You noted that the low prices right? Our cure. I think it's the flip side on feed. We've been maintaining very elevated, you know, corn and meal prices here. We'd have to imagine as the South American crop does come to fruition, it's just a matter of does the Brazilian crop offset some of the reduction and declines from their neighbors in Argentina? And do we ultimately see some of that high protein pricing start to find some pressure and make its way down as we head into U.S. planting season? Thank you for that. Tiffany. I'm going to encourage dairy producers just to keep playing a little defense here. You know, we're in a rough position and that the markets aren't really offering us levels that protect their costs at this point. So I think we, we're probably better off over the near term here, looking at some downside protection, putting some price floors in place, and then thinking about second half strategically too. Uh, with the potential of maybe the markets recovering a bit out there. So I, I tend to favor uh, milk price floors at this point. Brian, what about the commercial desk? If you were a uh, manufacturer or a marketer of dairy products or an end user, what, 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 what are you thinking about most these days? Yeah, well, I think looking at it just through the the context of where, where were we a year ago from now, um, there's two pretty big paradigm paradigm shifts that have taken place specifically in the butter market and and the cheese market. Uh, today are you mentioned the butter price is around 240. Um, when we look at the forward curve in the back half of, of this year we're seeing prices in the low to mid to mid 250s. That structure in the market is new as of a couple weeks ago, meaning that the trailing 16 months or so the forward curve was a large discount to to the spot price. So the incentives for a manufacturer or anybody that's holding inventory, the market in essence is incentivizing you to store product today. If you subtract out carrying costs and look at the you know the the future prices, it's yielding a higher price than today's. So I would I would be I would be figuring out a way to store product and take that price risk off the table. And even though you're looking at it from a you know what's my margin or implied margin perspective, we're not seeing huge potential margins. You know we're talking four or five cents give or take. So e- even though the forward curve relative to the current spot price isn't yielding, you know from historical context giant margins relative to last year, it's a huge shift. So if you're comparing 
holding inventory for a best case of minus 40 cents relative to holding it for a positive five cents, I, I would highly encourage uh, the industry to, to, to utilize that forward curve in your favor. And you can make similar comparisons when you're looking at the barrel cheese market right now. We have spot prices in the 150s. We were, you know, in the over-the-counter market, there were Q2 prices trading in the mid-170s today. So, you know, you have two to five months to carry the product and product that's trading 20 cents higher than today's prices. So in in both instances, Phil, I think there's a lot of opportunities on on how to manage inventory and a lot of good good ways to do it this year. Yeah, I'm guessing there's lots of people who are happy to be off the high wire that they were on last year, looking at those huge inversions day after day, month after month. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, special opportunity to meet some of the stars of our show. Uh, next week, a large contingent of Everag risk management team members are going to be at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California, including Jim Matthews and Tiffany Lamondola. Are you guys going to, you know, do you have a Sharpie on hand to sign autographs just in case or? Absolutely. Yeah. I recommend that. Yeah, I recommend that. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. We will be back next week with another edition of Parlor to Plate. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our production wizard, Paige Driscoll. And thanks to you, the listeners. Please tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Mm-hmm.